In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me and that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins, for the grace to make this time a prayer fruitful, my Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. Lord Jesus, as we reflect in your presence, we should often be struck by the tremendous confidence you have in us. Lord, you see a potential in each one of us, in each one of your brothers and sisters, to be saints, to be holy. This is the will of God for you, St. Paul writes, your sanctification. We're called to be holy and blameless before him. And that's a tremendous, a tremendous truth to reflect on. God thinks and really knows because God is never wrong. God knows that I can be a saint. God knows that you can be a saint. This means that God knows that, that we're capable of a great effort. Sanctity is not achievable without an effort, without our willingness to really work on our defects, and and build our virtues. St. Augustine says this about salvation, right? God, who created you without you, will not save you without you. God, who created you without you, will not save you without you. And so we won't get to heaven, we won't be saints, unless, we, unless we're on board, unless we fight for it, unless we do so willingly. St. Paul often talks about the necessity, therefore, of spiritual combat, of interior struggle, of a kind of straining towards virtue and a battle against vice. Do you not know that in a race the runners all compete? Paul writes to the Corinthians. But only one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may win it. Athletes exercise self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable one. So I do not run aimlessly, nor do I box as though beating the air. But I punish my body and enslave it, so that after proclaiming to others, I myself should not be disqualified. Run in such a way that you may win it. We have this great prize, which is heaven, which is sanctity, which is to love God above all things and to be completely lovable and loved by him. It's a great prize. It's a great goal, a great ideal. And it's worth sacrificing for. It's worth working for. It's worth fighting for. So Jesus, we ask you for your grace today to reflect on this interior struggle, on this ascetical war, this ascetical combat, which you've called us to, and that you have confidence that we can, we can undertake successfully. This, I think, is, is a kind of a dangerous topic. It's dangerous in the sense that it's easily misunderstood. And if we are, um, if we're kind of faint of heart, if we're a little bit tired of life and the struggles of life, if we're a little bit discouraged by our lack of progress so far in the spiritual life, well, to talk about combat and interior struggle and effort can be even more discouraging. 
And so the temptation um, for those of us who feel a little bit weak or, or a little bit overwhelmed with life or with our interior life, the temptation at this point in the meditation, I hope you didn't do it already, is to just turn it off and go take a nap or something like that. I'm not up for it, right? There he goes again, another priest telling me to try harder, right? More effort. And on the other hand, it's this, this topic is also a danger for those of us who feel kind of naturally strong, who are people who are active, who like to get things done, who more or less feel like we have our life in order, the voluntarists or the activists among us. Because when they hear this, they're kind of encouraged to be more voluntaristic or more active. And they'll they'll hear this and say, yeah, that's what I need, right? More effort, more determination. Come on, you wimps, follow me. And both of those are are dangerous and and neither of them are helpful to view the interior struggle as overwhelming or to view it as empowering of our pride or of our self-reliance. And so though with your help, we want to reflect on exactly what this struggle consists in, how it works, what are we after? And it's something like this, the struggle consists in the effort we make in challenging ourselves to grow in holiness. We have to challenge ourselves to grow in holiness. But holiness, of course, is not just our project. It's primarily something that God does in us and we do with his cooperation. Because holiness, in its essence, I think, is trust in God and love for God and others. And neither of those trust in God, which is comprised by faith and hope, love for God and others, which is comprised by charity. Neither of those are things that we can do on our own. We absolutely need God's help to do them. Just as we absolutely need God's help to be holy. And so when we think about the interior struggle, yes, we have to challenge ourselves. Yes, we have to make resolutions Yes, we have to make an effort. Yes, we need willpower and determination. But at the same time, with this great sense that we're relying on God every second for all of it, we need his help. Without me, Jesus says, you can do nothing. And so if we're faint of heart, we have to reconvince ourselves that God is going to help me in the struggles he wants me to undertake. If God wants me to grow in some virtue, and he certainly does want us to grow at least in charity and in trust. He's going to help me grow in those things. The grace will be there. Jesus says this in the gospel. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your Father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask him? Right? God knows how to give good things to us. And he has to give good things to us because he is goodness itself. He is our Father. And the things that are absolutely good for us, our salvation and the things necessary for salvation, Thomas Aquinas says, if you ask for those, God has to give them to you because they're absolutely good. If you pray for your salvation and what's necessary for your salvation, which by the way is also what's necessary for our holiness, faith, charity, hope, God will give you those and he'll give you the means to struggle in those. So if we're feeling weak and fragile, we, we 
make an act of faith and confidence that God will help me struggle in the things that he wants me to struggle in. And if we rely on our own strength, we have to remind ourselves that that's not going to get us anywhere in God's eyes. It's not going to get us anywhere in the search for sanctity either. Jesus says, without me, you can do nothing, as we just said before. Without me, you can do nothing. And that means that if we're doing lots of things and we and we think we're doing something, but we're not really relying on our Lord, we're not really living faith, hope, and charity in those things, we're just doing them for other ends and relying on ourselves, no matter how much we're doing, it's actually nothing in God's eyes. It's not contributing to our salvation. It's not, it's not moving us to heaven. It's not sanctifying us. Jesus says this even about good things. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you evildoers. Incredible passage, right? These people are doing good things, and they're doing good things ostensibly, at least nominally, in our Lord's name. And yet it counts for nothing. It's not <laughs> It's not helping their salvation. Because why? They're not doing the will of the Father. They're not doing it with trust and with love. They're not doing it with the sense of depending on Him. And so this is a tricky topic, right? Uh, our interior struggle, our effort to be saints. Yes, we need to want it and really want it. And yes, we need willpower. And yes, we need determination. But at the same time, we need all of that with this conviction that I'm relying totally on God's help. Without him, I can't do anything. And because he's helping me, I have every confidence in the world that I can throw myself into things that seem difficult or challenging. This was the experience and the advice of St. Therese of the Sioux. She says it much better than, than I can because she actually lived it. <laughs> this is her writing to her sister. My dearest sister, do not let your weakness make you unhappy. When in the morning we feel no courage or strength for the practice of virtue, it is really a grace it is the time to lay the axe to the root of the tree, relying upon Jesus alone. What a wonderful way to think about feeling weak, feeling powerless, not feeling up for the things we have to do in the day or to deal with the people we need to deal with or to face the problems we need to face. If we feel no courage or strength for the practice of virtue, it is really a grace. Why? Because it's an opportunity actually to rely on our Lord, to rely on grace and not on ourselves. And so if we do it anyway with this sense that I know that God's going to help me, I know that he wants to help me with this, and we quote-unquote force ourselves to do what's right, relying not on our feelings or our own self-confidence, but on that conviction, on that faith that God wants me to do this or is going to help me to do it, well, then we're really getting somewhere. We're really growing in holiness because we're using our will and we're using our will precisely motivated by, by faith, by conviction. This is another passage from St. Therese. You complain of what should cause you the greatest happiness. 
Where would be your merit if you must fight only when you felt the courage? What does it matter if you have none, provided that you act as if you had? If you feel too lazy to pick up a bit of thread, and nevertheless you do it for the love of Jesus, you have more merit than if, in a moment of fervor, you were to accomplish something of far greater importance. So instead of being sorrowful, rejoice to see that in letting you feel your weakness, the good master provides you with an opportunity of gaining for him a greater number of souls. What's the merit if we only do things when we feel confident of their success? Where's the merit, right? Where, Where is the virtue if we only do things when we feel courageous about them. And then she says, what does it matter if if I have none, if I don't feel any courage, provided that I act as if I had? And what does that mean? Well, it means we're moving from acting and struggling on the basis of our feelings or of our emotions to acting and struggling on the basis of our faith, which means to move from our subjective state, which might be right or wrong, to the objective state of things, which is truth, which is true, which is the way things really are, that God is going to help me to do the things that he wants me to do. And if I do things with with that sense, Lord, then even if I fail, it's not really a failure. If I do things with the right intention and trying my best and relying on your grace, well, then if it doesn't turn out the way that I, I had planned or hoped, well, then that was just part of, of your plan for me. And there's some good there, too. I grow in more humility. I have something to offer up. It's another chance to trust you and trust your wisdom, trust your providence. But what a great way to act. What does it matter if I have no courage, provided that I act as if I had? That's to move from emotion to faith, to conviction, as the basis of my actions. Lord, help me to do this. You tell me this. Without me, you can do nothing. Without you, Lord, you tell me that I can do nothing. And yet St. Paul says, I can do all things in him who strengthens me. And St. Paul also says, I glory in my infirmities. I glory in my weakness. Why? Because like St. Therese, well, that's the moment to free ourselves from relying on ourselves or relying on our subjective state. Lord, help us to make this switch, to switch this energy source from confidence in ourselves to confidence in you, which frees us to fight with much more confidence and to do things with much more daring and to give ourselves, in a certain sense, a much harder time to, to fight against our vices more courageously, to undertake this spiritual combat. I was in a McDonald's drive through once and I happened to be wearing a cassock and I gave the, um, the guy there at the drive through my credit card to pay for the lunch or whatever it was. And, um, he kind of did a double take when he saw me in the cassock. After giving me my, my food, he asked me, what kind of martial arts do you teach? And I, I laughed and I said, no, I'm a priest. And then I said to him, spiritual martial arts, spiritual martial arts. And I think that's right. 
we all need to learn spiritual martial arts, right? How to fight against vice in us, how to call out and challenge, confront the things in us that need to be called out and challenged and confronted, right? Otherwise, what happens to us is that, is that we just get bullied by our emotional state, right? Our emotions tell us one thing and we, we get intimidated and bullied and we just follow along. Oh, you feel tired, you know, go take a break. Oh, you feel tired, stay in bed. And so we think, oh, okay, I guess I feel tired. I'll take a break. Oh, I guess I'll stay in bed. Oh, you're hungry, right? Keep, keep eating. Eat 12 more Oreos. Oh, okay, I'm hungry. I guess I'll eat 12 more Oreos. Oh, you're stressed or distracted, right? Go waste time looking around the internet or, or binging this or that form of entertainment. Oh, okay, I guess I'm stressed or distracted. So I need to go and binge on this or that form of entertainment. Oh, you're sad and resentful. So show it, right? Be in a bad mood. Be quiet around people and let them know that you're upset. Okay, I guess I'll, I guess I'll be passive aggressive and resentful and show it to people. Right? And if we don't stand up to ourselves, stand up to those things in us which want to bully us, well, then we'll never love. We'll never be saints. And this is, this is the struggle. Right? To stand up to our whims, to stand up to our emotions. And what do we do it with? Well, we do it with conviction and we do we do it with our ideals this is how god wants me to act this is how god wants me to be this is how god is helping me to act and be and if my emotional state is against that well too bad too bad for my emotional state i'm going to act against it and eventually it'll catch up with me lord help us to remember that motivation is not just feeling motivated Motivation is anything that can move me to act. Anything that can move me to act and to be resolute is also motivation. And St. Thomas Aquinas teaches us that the will is an intellectual desire. It's a spiritual desire or spiritual appetite. And so it's not just moved by our feelings. It's moved even more perfectly or primarily by the truth, or by the beauty and truth presented to it by our minds. And this is why it's so important for us to put our minds on our faith and to put our minds on God. We do this with spiritual reading. We do this in adoration, in our mental prayer. We do this by, by taking time between things to lift up our mind and heart to God. So the more we put our minds on the truth of God and the truth of what he wants for us, and really to go deeper in it and reflect on it, the more we embolden and empower our will to want those things and to sacrifice for those things and to go against the grain of our emotions or our particular mood or state right now, to do what's right anyway, as St. Therese says, to lay the axe to the root of the tree. Because I think what happens sometimes is that we leave our will stranded on the battlefield. We know it's right, we know how we should act, and yet we fill our minds and our hearts with things that are kind of like lower or incompatible with that. So we're always thinking about, I don't know, money, or we're always thinking about food or pleasure, or we're always thinking about entertainment, 
We're always thinking about the problems of the world and politics. And then we expect ourselves to act as saints. And of course, no wonder it's so hard. And no wonder we have such a, a weak resolve. Because we're basically starving our will of spiritual nourishment, of the truth and the reflection it needs to function, right? to really want those things. And at the same time, asking it to act accordingly, right? As if we really believe those things and if, as if they were forming our mind and our heart. And so we're feeding our, we're feeding our will junk food constantly because we're, um, intemperate and because we, um, are distracted. And at the same time, we're asking it to like, you know, run marathons or be this great soldier, this great warrior. St. Paul helps us with this, this idea of feeding our minds with what's right and how helpful it is. Rejoice in the Lord always, St. Paul writes to those first Christians. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. And so St. Paul has to repeat it. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Why does he repeat it? Because people like us are going to be like, always? Like even when things are hard, even when I don't feel good, even when, humanly speaking, things are, are dangerous and and challenging like they are now, I should rejoice then too? And St. Paul says, yes, again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness, or also called your moderation, depends on the translation, let your self-control be known to everyone. The Lord is near. This is why we can rejoice always, because God is close to us. Do not worry about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Don't worry about anything because you're counting totally on God. He's going to help you do the things you really need to do. He's going to, he's going to respond to those requests that are the requests that are really for your good. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. What a beautiful goal. What a beautiful payoff to trust in God and do what we need to do, overcoming our dependence on our emotions, rejoicing even when things are difficult, rejoicing always. The payoff is the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And then he tells us this, Finally, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence and if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Keep on doing the things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, and the God of peace will be with you. Right? He's telling them, and he's telling us, and the Holy Spirit is telling us through Scripture in this time of prayer. Put your mind and your heart on what's helpful for sanctity. Think more about what's true, what's honorable, what's just, what's pure, what's pleasing, what's commendable, things that are excellent, things that are worthy of praise. Right? Think about them. Because then they become our goal. And they're worth striving for. And they're worth resisting our temptations for. And they're worth resisting our moods for and overcoming our moods and fighting fire with fire. But we need to, we need to fight fire with fire. What do I mean by that? Well, I'm feeling tired. 
uh, well, maybe we need to rouse ourselves to be more energetic. Say, no, too bad you're feeling tired. God is with you, so get moving, lazy bones. Or I'm feeling I'm feeling hungry and I need I want to eat more. Well, too bad you ate already, and so you're going to just experience this hunger and not give into it. Or um, I'm feeling indifferent. I don't care about people. Well, I like to say to myself, you have a heart that is the size of a pea and it's frozen and it's also black. So come on, you frozen, black-hearted pea person. Care more. Act as if you do. Get moving. Help people. To call out the part of ourselves that needs to be called out. To resist all those bullies in us that want to... uh Intimidate us into not living a Christian life. To fight the good fight. Lord Jesus, we can't do anything without you. And certainly we can't do this. To overcome ourselves. To resist ourselves. To fight the good fight. And so like St. Therese and like St. Paul. We ask you, Lord Jesus. Fight with us. Fight for us. Help us to depend totally on you. Help us to experience, Lord, what you say. Without me, you can do nothing. And instead of that being something that discourages us, no, on the contrary, it should be something that that frees us not to rely on ourselves. God can do all things. And so so St. Paul says, I can do all things in him who strengthens me. I glory in my infirmities. When I am weak, then I am strong. To cut the cord of relying on what I think I can do, what I feel like doing, and to plug in to that other power source, which is the faith, the conviction that God will help us to fight the battles and God will help us to live in the way that he's calling us to live. So Lord, help us. Help us to struggle. Help us to have these high ideals. And then, you know, the high ideals have to be one or We have to make progress in them little by little, right? We're in this battle. We have this war to win, which is the war of our sanctity. We have this prize to gain, which is the prize of heaven, won by our sanctity with our Lord's help, of course. But we don't win it all at once. In this battle, we first we have to take that hill. And then after we take that hill, we have to go down and clear out that grove where the enemy is, is scattered. And then after we take that grove, we have to go and and take that bridge, which is a real strong point of the enemy. And once we have that bridge, well, then we advance across the bridge and keep fighting these skirmishes, which which end up being this great victory, the victory of the great battle. But we don't fight it all at once, right? First, we have to take the hill. And this is why it's a great Christian practice to have what's called a particular examination of conscience, or to make resolutions on a retreat that guide our struggle. And a particular examination of conscience is precisely one goal, one thing that I'm really working on, one vice I'm trying to root out, or one virtue I'm trying to improve or make progress in. And we make it something very practical, something we can practice every day, and something that's that's so concrete that we can check ourselves, did I do it or did I not do it? So maybe I want to grow, I want to grow in patience. And so I can say, well, I'm going to try to not show my impatience in that particular situation with that particular person. 
And here's how I'm going to do it. I'm going to smile and ask questions when I feel impatience coming over me with uh, the way they are or, or what they're telling me or, or whatever. Or I'm not going to roll my eyes if, <laughs> if that's my usual reaction or get, you know, quiet or whatever. Or I want to grow in, I want to grow in my use of time. Well, what does that mean? Well, I'm go- I'm going to try not to check my email except three times a day. I'm not going to go on social media except for a total of 20 minutes or half hour a day. Or whatever, you know, whatever you think is good and reasonable, whatever is progress in, in being less distracted or, or in, in wasting less time. So we can use our time better, right? To, to work more out of love for others, to reach out to others in a, in a way that's helpful, to have more time for our, for God, for our prayer life, for spiritual reading, right? To keep these ideals very much deep in our minds and active in, in our, in our motivations. And so Lord, as we think about this struggle that you have confidence that we can win, the struggle for sanctity, help us to break it down. Lord, what's the next step for me? What would be a good particular examination of conscience, a good resolution that I can work on this week? We go to Our Lady. Our Lady is no shrinking violet. Our Lady is innocent and all holy and all pure, but she's also resolute. She's determined. And so we see in that image of the Immaculate Conception, Our Lady is stepping on the head of Satan, crushing his head with her heel. And so that's an act of resoluteness. It's an act of courage. It's an act of war, as we say, right? That was an act of war. And so like her, we want to be resolute against sin in us, resolute against Satan. Our Lady, the Immaculate Conception, you who crushed the head of the serpent, Give us this great fighting spirit, this fighting spirit which is ours by our belonging to our Lord Jesus Christ. Help us like St. Paul to run so as to win. Help us like St. Therese to be happy when we don't feel courage because that's the moment really to fight, to give ourselves with confidence that God is helping us. Our Lady, Our Mother, Immaculate Conception, pray for us. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations which you have communicated to me in this meditation. I ask your help to put them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.